You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health. Um, I got the great Joffrey Verity Schofield. Did I say your name right? Please tell me I said your name right. Close, Schofield. Ah, oh, my God, I'm terrible. <laughs> um, I love technology right now because we're communicating from literally across the world. Um, it's 8 o'clock your time at night. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just took my dogs for their morning walks. So, um, it's it's pretty cool. Um Give a brief introduction to yourself and, you know, you kind of just blew up on YouTube recently. I saw you just hit 50,000 subscribers. So uh, kind of give like a brief background of what got you there and what brought you into the health and fitness world. You know, I, I've sort of had a weird journey because um, I didn't get into fitness like right out of college or anything. Like I don't have a degree in exercise science or anything physiology related. My degree is actually in economics of all things and you know I didn't really even start lifting until I was like 25 years old so oh, wow. it's sort of been a, a unusual journey uh, I don't have any like personal trainer certifications I don't have any degrees related to fitness at all and you know sometimes people ask me like oh why why are you qualified to do this I'm not I'm not I'm just <laughs> I'm just a guy making videos. And I, I think, you know, that's where the internet can be good, but can also be bad because it, you know, it's good where you can educate yourself and you can learn a lot. You might not necessarily need to get a formal degree to be fairly knowledgeable 
in a general sense about a topic. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert about any particular area of fitness, um, but I know a decent amount about a wide variety of topics. And you can do that just through, through YouTube, through Google searches, reading PubMed studies, talking to people. You know, there's a lot of, of resources out there, books, you know, lots of stuff you can do to just self-educate without having, you know, a formal quote-unquote education in the field. Um, the bad part is that anyone can put out content. So you right. do get people who, they, they just skip the education side of things mm -hmm. and then they go right to, to posting, you know, their opinion or phrasing their opinion as science mm -hmm. or as, you know, truth where, you know, maybe they haven't actually learned very much about exercise or anatomy or biomechanics or physiology or just the research or even just not the science side of things, but just like common sense for some of these, you know, influencers, common sense is sort of left left the building. And if you're new to fitness, you know, if you're a beginner, you might not know who is legit and who is full of shit. Right. Because how would you know if you don't have that base of knowledge? You know, someone, if I went to an art museum and some guy started talk to, talking to me about art, was like, oh, this is the greatest. Oh, this this one, this piece is shit. I don't know why it's in the museum. This one is fantastic, and it's just abstract art. Looks the same to me. <laughs> like I have no idea. <laughs> then there's some other guy, like a real expert, who can actually tell you, you know, what's up and why this is good and why this is bad. I wouldn't know because I don't have that base of knowledge in art, and it takes years to get to that base of knowledge where you can actually see if someone is is full of shit and it's a fine line in fitness right like some of the stuff here's an example i'm not sure if you're familiar with knees over toes guy yes very familiar yeah yeah so his stuff is great but his stuff looks kind of similar to like bullshit instagram workouts or tiktok videos where it's just no right. one should ever do that yeah like i can tell that it's legit because you know i've learned a lot about it um, but if you don't have any knowledge in the, in the field, that looks kind of similar to something that is going to be completely ineffective or even dangerous. Um, so it is a fine line and it's really tough to, you know, assess content without consuming a lot of content first, Yeah. you know, finding some trusted sources and being able to evaluate it through there. It takes years. It takes years. And this is why a lot of beginners, they get led down the wrong path because they just see, you know, some shredded dude with abs. <laughs> they assume he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, well, take my supplement uh, and you'll look like me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then the, there's the financial incentives. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just, you know, they're, they're walking pieces of human garbage, basically. Mm -hmm. And so they'll sell out their audience, uh, dick over their audience and sell out. Yeah. At any opportunity, you know, they'll, they'll build an audience and then just screw them over later. And sometimes their audience is okay with it. They're, they're strangely happy to get lied to and, and screwed over. And, you know, there's definitely some channels or some communities that have some cult-like aspects to it yeah. where if you show them the truth, they get pissed at you. They get angry for you saying, hey, like, you know, your hero is kind of screwing you over. They're like, oh, how, how dare I go? No, 
you're the bad person that kind of right thing. but so, well because they, they assume you're attacking their they think you're attacking their identity right so like yeah I, I, to give like a brief background for myself and i've talked about it a little bit on the show but i did carnivore for literally two years and then about eight months ago i started using carbon diet coach because i always <laughs> i was listening to these yeah. kind of charlatans right and so they say good stuff every here and there but if you don't know anything then it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff right so you listen to yeah. something like dave asprey um, some of the longevity stuff, it's like, okay, but then like a majority of it is complete and total snake oil. And that dude will do anything to sell his supplements. Um, Paul Saladino, sometimes he says good stuff and then he's way off in the weeds. And, and you know, he, he takes these mechanistic studies that show a like proof of concept where like, okay, well, the sucralose, the sweetener, um, oxalates, this looks bad. This is bad for you. But what he never tells you is that in these rodent studies that they do, and this is the same deal with like aspartame, they'll take these yeah. ridiculous amounts, yeah, that you'll never get day to day, and then extrapolate that and say, oh yeah, it's going to kill you. Um, so where do you fall when it comes to like these kind of? I, I well, I guess we'll start with like the carnivore and keto side. What's your uh, take on carnivore and keto? Yes, yeah, so I actually watched your episode with Dr. Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a month ago or two months ago, maybe longer, I forget. Um, yeah. And so um, I, I, you went through a bit of your diet history there, which mm -hmm. was interesting. Yeah. And for it's one of those things where a very small segment of the population can do fine on keto. Right. Um, and an even smaller can do fine on carnivore. Mm -hmm. um, what percentage is that? I'm not sure. And it's also going to be a little bit of variation. Like anyone can do keto. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's just a, a natural physiological state, which is sort of what they use in the advertising. Oh, this is like peak human performance. Like this is how we're meant to be all the time. <laughs> right. It's like a plan B. It's, it's a uh, backup for when we don't have the source of energy that we want. Right. And, you know, you can subsist and survive in that state mm -hmm. better than dying. But I don't know. <laughs> Call me crazy. I'd rather thrive than survive. And I right. found that. I get a lot of mileage from carbohydrates, mm -hmm. especially if I am doing higher volume training mm -hmm. and the energy requirements for lifting are not super high, but if you're active throughout the day and you want to gain weight and you have a good amount of muscle and you're trying to build muscle and you're trying to gain weight mm -hmm. and you have a fast metabolism and you have a low appetite, I mean, it's hard to just meet your caloric requirements with no carbs. Especially okay, yeah. when you reduce appetite, mm -hmm. like you'll tend to, and again, there's individual variation. Yeah. Some people do really well on keto. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's good in some ways. It's good for fat loss. Typically, you know, the more fat you have to lose, the easier it is to lose fat and mm -hmm. the easier it is to consume fewer carbohydrates. I don't know what it is. My computer or something might be cursed because I keep having connectivity issues. Um, so you were kind of, um, I asked your opinion on keto and carnivore and we were kind of right in the middle of explaining kind of how on a ketogenic diet, cause you're eating overall less calories cause you're basically eliminating a food group that might be a little bit easier for people to lose weight. So uh, I guess we'll just try to kind of pick up from where we left off there. Yeah. So I'm much more open to keto rather than carnivore, just cause you can actually get in a wide variety of vegetables, which are time and time again shown to provide a multitude of health benefits. It's one of the few things that 
the vast majority of nutritionists and dietitians actually agree on. Not much, but it's vegetables. Like most people say, hey, yeah, like eat meat, don't eat meat, but like get it in your vegetables. That's a, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the research is very, very clear on that. And so I would say for most people, carnivore, not a great idea. Um, doesn't help with the going, with everything moving, moving through as well for most people. Yeah. Um, unless like, I mean, there's really very little reason to not eat vegetables. Right. Uh, unless you have like a really hardcore autoimmune disease or something. I know Michaela Peterson, in some ways, it's a little bit irresponsible to have a very rare personal condition that doesn't allow you to eat vegetables. And then you're like, oh, no one should eat, like, don't eat vegetables. Like, oh, here's this diet where other people shouldn't eat vegetables too. Yes. Yeah, so you your own specific condition. Right. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is kind of like fitness influencers at large. And this gets at a bigger point is that it's kind of like kids with dynamite, right? You're literally telling people <laughs> this extreme and yes, it may help some people, but now I did carnivore for two years and some of my friends were coming up to me and asking me about it, thinking that this is the way to go. And I, at one point, irresponsibly told me, yeah, this is the way to go. You know, oh, all these vegetables are bad for you. And then like, kind of looking back at that, I'm like, it's, I was a child with dynamite. I was running around, you know, irresponsibly telling people bad advice when, um, you know, people have been told eat less, move more for the longest time. And they didn't quite understand what that meant in its entirety. You know, you have to eat more satiating foods and higher protein and lose weight at a reasonable pace rather than just wanting to sprint to the finish line. Like if you do carnivore, you're going to lose a ton of water weight. So it's going to be very rewarding initially because your glycogen yeah. stores are going to be empty and then you're going to eat so few calories and meat is very satiating. So it's going to be an easy way to lose a bunch of weight. But you know, what, what are the tail end costs of that? I would much rather see, you know, someone lose 20 pounds over a year than 20 pounds in three months. Right. That's a much more healthier transition. And I, I it's, it's not sexy to say that. Yeah, it's one of those things where carbs get a bad rap because of the water retention issue. Right. So yeah, you cut carbs, you lose five, 10 pounds in a week even. And it's like, oh, wow, like carbs are the enemy. Like it's, it's <laughs> you know, insulin is the enemy. The insulin army on, you know, on YouTube and on social media, to me, I find that to be very weird because yeah, if you have high insulin, it does mechanistically make it harder to lose fat in that instant, but it's, it's the long-term caloric deficit or surplus, which yes. is going to be what actually matters. Insulin can't store something that's not there. Uh, it seems like really, <laughs> really fucking obvious, but it's like, it, you can have high insulin and, and it's been shown like more insulin, more insulinogenic foods, you know, like milk, dairy, et cetera. Those don't necessarily lead to more weight gain if you equate the calories exactly, and then you even look at like, what do professional natural bodybuilders do to get diced, shredded, ripped, like four or five, 6% body fat. Most of them eat a decent amount of carbs during prep, not going to be 400 grams a day, but it's, you know, often 150 to 200 usually they have the mentality of trying to keep carbs as high as possible while still losing fat. So you hit your protein, um, you get in enough fat for hormonal purposes, et cetera. And then, you know, you fill up the rest with carbs because especially if you're training hard, those are going to be very, very useful. Hmm. Um, and then 
you know, you can still get shredded while eating a pretty decent number of carbs. I'm sure there's been guys who they've had carbs in the three hundreds and gotten absolutely diced. If you're active, you can get away with that. And so it's not the insulin, it's, it's the deficit of the surplus. Then you have enhanced lifters who are literally injecting insulin and getting shredded as well. So if insulin was so fattening, how is any of this possible? Right. And, you know, it just, it's a very easy thing to debunk, but you know, these doctors, they're making millions selling this sort of insulin is the enemy, carbs are the enemy kind of thing. And it can work, right? Again, like it, it can work, but it's working for the wrong reasons, right? People don't understand why it's working. It's because they're at a caloric deficit. That, that's why they're actually, you know, losing weight, you know, and, and again, that appetite suppressing effect is, is pretty nice, but it's certainly not the only, the only way to go. And it, it's sometimes infuriating interacting with these people because, <laughs> you know, you tell them very clearly and they're just like, ah, insulin, carbs. Like it just, you know, it, it's like talking to a, a, a brick wall sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, Absolutely. And to go back to the, you know, metaphor of children with dynamite, they tell people like fat is good, fat is good, fat is good. Okay, yes. But like, where do these calories go, right? Because fat is nine calories per gram. So if you're chugging butter, if you got, you know, a whole heaping teaspoon of MCT oil powder, and you're putting your coffee, and you're drinking that, and then you eat the fattiest ribeye you can slathered in, you know, coconut oil and butter and olive oil, that fat has to go somewhere, right? It's not the amount of fat burned, it's the amount of fat stored. If you are taking in, you know, 500 grams of fat and 20 grams of protein, well, where's that fat go if you can't, you know, if you're not burning those calories off? And it's, it's so funny when you see people that are just stuck in this fat, 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 fat. And that was kind of what I got annoyed with in the carnivore space. I would constantly see people just hammering, Oh, you got to be chugging fat. You got to be having so much fat. And it's like, okay, well, why don't you you like, they would eat 5,000 calories of, you know, brisket and the most fattiest cuts of meat they could get. And then they'd have like one blueberry and then they'd say, Oh my God, this blueberry made me gain five pounds. Like, no, it's probably other calories from fat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like you'll you'll burn more fat, but you're also eating so much fat that you're just burning the fat that you're eating, and you're not actually burning body fat. And you know, people say like, oh, if insulin is not high, fat can't be stored. That's bullshit. It can absolutely <laughs> be stored. It's like it's very 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 easy to store fat. Fat does not have a high thermic effect of food, so it's like. of the energy, some different forms of fat take a little bit different, but on average, it's like three or 4% of the energy in the fat is required to break down the fat. It's higher for carbs, much higher for protein. So at the end of the day, like, you know, I would say balance is just best, you know, vilifying or cutting out any macronutrient is really not the way to go for most people. And again, it can work, but at what cost, you know, now you can't eat foods that are very healthy because they have a few grams of carbs um, or, you know, you can't enjoy a piece of birthday cake or something like that because, oh my God, the carbs, you know, whereas, you know, flexible dieting is is definitely the way to go for most people. And that can, that has problems too, right? Like that can get out of hand where now you're only eating pop tarts and protein powder. (laughs) I think for most people just like stick to a, a, a healthy natural diet, whole foods, 
don't overeat, eat satiating foods. And all these diets are just backlash against the hyper palatable, super high calorie junk foods and the super high portion sizes, as well as people being sedentary. Mm-hmm. All these diets, like they have different paths to where people want to be, a caloric deficit, but they're all sort of reacting against the same thing. But the diets don't tell you that because they're just like, oh, this is the solution. Well, the solution to what? They're all the solution to the same thing. Plus, there's so much individual variation that different people are going to have their own solution. The diets don't talk about that either. It's just, oh, this is the diet because hashtag marketing, and that's the best way to sell something branded as like the best thing for everyone. Because if you throw in some nuance, you lose people because they're normies and they can't understand, hey, (laughs) the best diet doesn't exist and it's going to be individual. So, you know, it's kind of frustrating talking to people who don't sometimes have like a base of knowledge with nutrition or diet or training or something like that. They just want to be spoon fed, no pun intended, the correct answer. And then when you're like, well, you know, you might have to experiment a little bit. They're just like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to have to like put in any kind of mental effort into this stuff. Uh, Just put me in a wheelchair and cart me to where I need to go, basically. Yeah. But it's going to take work. And so, you know, people have to realize self-experimentation with N equals one, one being yourself, is going to be super, super valuable and absolutely crucial. Right, right. I 100% agree. And um, you mentioned, listen to my interview with Mike Israton. I think I might have elaborated on this a little bit, but uh, I had kind of told him, you know, the thing with carnivore, I'd be good for two weeks and then I would binge. But what I never understood about that in those two years is that this is just a reaction to my body freaking starving is that I, I wasn't eating enough throughout the week. And it, it sounds almost silly to say, you know, you have to eat more to lose weight, but you know, okay, if you eat more throughout the week, then you don't have to clump all your calories in one day and eliminate all the progress from that week. So kind of moving on here though, um, it seems like everybody wants to demonize sugar and saturated fat. Um, My outlook on this, and I want your perspective on this, is that they're only bad insofar as they cause people to overconsume because they're not satiating. So sugar by itself is not satiating. Saturated fat by itself is not satiating. So when you put these into foods, especially together, they're so easy to overconsume. You know, you look at donuts, French fries, um, you know, burgers with buns and all these other different hyperpalatable foods. They're all high in carbohydrates and fat, saturated fat and sugar. And <laughs> the Burger King. Burger King <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, you know, you can have them, but you should yeah. probably try to not have them together and maybe limit it if you feel like it's going to make you overconsume. So what's your thoughts surrounding like saturated fat sugar? Do you think it's like the chicken or the egg? Do you think they're inherently bad or you just think it's because the non-satiating effect? Yeah. So if, if they put you into caloric surplus, that's probably going to be the biggest thing and your body fat percentage, which is going to be a huge indication of, of uh, chronic inflammation that is going to be where a lot of these diseases come from. It is, yeah, it's probably the diet, but it's like what it actually does to your body and the visceral fat that accumulates and the fatty liver, all these other things that cause the issue. It's not necessarily the foods themselves. Um, although, you know, there's sort of a dual effect as well. Now, when it comes to sugar, certainly there are some people that I've seen where, you know, maybe this is the, where the anabolic diet is a response to this, 
to where they have a sweet tooth. And, mm-hmm. you know, sugar is like, or sweet foods are something that it hits different, right? Like it's, it's, you know, maybe even if you equate the calories, it's just easier to overeat. There's also a dopamine issue where it's a, it's very rewarding. Right. And so you also have to look at the psychological side of things, which I think a lot of people overlook. And it's not as simple as just saying calories in, calories out. Because like, if it was that simple, it wouldn't be an issue in the first place. Like if someone is really struggling with, with their weight and with fat loss, you know, just telling them to put the fork down or most of them know it's calories in calories out. Most of them know like, Hey, if you eat less, you lose weight. It's more an execution issue. And yeah, that might include cutting out some foods some of the time. I think it's best to have, you know, get a flexible approach, but yeah, it's a tricky situation. And if you look at, you know, the data on how many diets actually succeed, from what I've seen, it varies based on the study. I've seen as high as like 97% of diets fail. I've seen like down to 90. I've seen, it depends on like what you define success as, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you, you diet down 10% of your body weight, and then you go up 1%, is that failing? I mean, you're better off than you were, but it's, um, it's a tricky situation. And we do know that the majority of diets fail. Right. Right. And I, I don't think it's as simple as, Hey, you know, swap these foods for these, because, you know, if you cut them out entirely, now you have the, the, if you're restricting this food group, now you want this and then you binge. And then you have a subset of people who are just maintaining too lean of a physique. This is specifically in the fitness industry, which I've seen quite a bit. People will be, damn near 10% body fat and then they're binging that's that's your body telling you to go up in body fat percentage typically right. and if you go up a little bit usually your body's like all right like cool now we're fine and you know the binging solves itself um if someone is above 20% body fat for a man i would say that's less of an issue and i would not say that gaining body fat is is the answer there but the closer someone is to 10% and the more shredded they are yeah, that's where you might want to actually gain weight, right? And and again, with the, with the obesity epidemic, the idea of gaining body fat, people think it's always bad. Right. It's like heading in the wrong direction. But for some people, like that, that's the way to go. If someone, you know, they've been doing volume eating, they've been maintaining a very shredded physique, maybe they're on social media or they consume a lot of social media content, they might be maintaining too lean of a physique. And they might want to actually gain weight if they can. For some people, it's it's hard to gain weight because you know they see the shoulder striations and the abs and everything. And right, it's addictive. It's literally, yes. it's literally addictive. You know, mm-hmm. and I've been there. A lot of people who I've talked to have been there, and it can be a struggle to gain weight. And that's you know sort of the opposite problem that the general population has. Um, and so you know you do have to take an individual approach. Habits are huge. Food environment is huge. Yes. Discipline is less huge, but still important. Um, but it, yeah, you're going to have to become a totally different person for most people, especially if they've been overweight or obese or morbidly obese their whole life. You're going to have to become a new person, like a totally new person, new environment, new habits, maybe new friends, maybe new people that you spend time with. 
education is helpful, but it's certainly not everything. Yeah. Um, I would say it's more execution than education. Mm -hmm. Education is important, but it certainly is not enough to get the job done. Um, and this is where sometimes, you know, it's tough as a coach because these habits are hard to change. Yeah. And, you know, people do regress and then you're not, all right, well, let's, let's change this. And, you know, there's a formula for everyone, but it's, it's really a struggle. Um, especially if someone has been on the wrong path for like 20 or 30 years and now they're trying to change and it's gonna, it's not going to be a year for most people, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, as you said, it's better to do it, to do it slower. And often if you try to change and change quickly, you just ricochet in the opposite direction. Mm. Now you're plus five pounds or plus 10 pounds where you started. Um, and then you have the healthy at any weight or healthy at any size movement, <laughs> which is like, I, I empathize. Mm -hmm. I understand where it comes from. Yeah. Because, you know, after you've been told you should be skinnier and after you've uh, been told about the health consequences and after it's, you know, you've, you've fought and you've struggled and you've failed and you've failed a bunch of times, the reaction is just to say, fuck it, mm -hmm. fuck it. I'm just going to be fat, right? Like I'm going to embrace it. And here's this movement, which tells me I'm beautiful. And it's almost, it's almost all women, actually. There's not many men who are like, <laughs> I'm healthy at any size. It's like 95% women or more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, but I understand where they're coming from, but it's kind of a lie as well, because it's very clear that being morbidly obese is not great for your body like we have a lot of data on this and again these people who are selling that comforting lie comforting lies easy to sell uncomfortable truths not that easy to sell mm -hmm. trust me i sell a lot of i try to sell uncomfortable <laughs> truths not making millions doing all right but but you know certainly um you know, people gravitate and will certainly spend money on stuff that is, you know, claims to be easy rather than the reality. Right. Absolutely. And this is kind of what made me reject the, the guys who actually kind of tell the truth, at least in my opinion, and I'll throw this to you here in a second, but uh, guys like Stan Efforting, I really like Stan because he takes a very, very good approach and his very science-based. I think his diet recommendations are great. Um, Lane Norton is a great dude who all everything he says he backs up right Brad Schoenfeld is uh, you know one of the greatest muscle researchers in the entire world Don Lehman on um, you know protein metabolism guys like that um, I hated Lane Norton at first and then I kind of came around and it's why I actually had like a short interaction with him over email because I told him that I use carbon and I liked his products and um he said that's kind of like the usual thing is that people like initially hate him and then like, oh no, you know what? He actually makes a lot of sense. And it's because what he's saying is uncomfortable truths to people who don't want to hear it, right? When yeah. he says keto isn't optimal for building muscle and he says, let's say, um, you know, obesity is independent risk factor. What they're hearing is if you do keto, you'll never make gains and you're a bad person, right? And then when you say obesity is an independent risk factor, what people hear is you're fat and you're a bad person. No, we're just saying this is unhealthy. So that's why every single time I see somebody who's overweight trying to make a diet change, full encouragement. Everything I can to encourage that person to just do a little bit better, I'm all about it. And if they say, hey, you know, I just, I went up and I walked to my mailbox today. 
great do that you know keep doing that you're doing fantastic keep up the great work um we need more of that but yeah so i guess that kind of gets into who do you find to be the best source of information on youtube that doesn't just peddle sexy bullshit to get you to buy their supplements yeah yeah that's the ones you mentioned are really good and um i think they all have their blind spots sure and this is where if someone is really science-based they will be willing to admit when they're wrong and they will be willing to you know get feedback on where they maybe messed up in the past and where they could do better and they're willing to adjust their opinions over time as new information comes out um and that's something that is really not easy to do mm-hmm. and the bigger your following is the more difficult that is yeah because you know, let's say you have like 10 followers or something you get new information and you're like oh fuck that video i put out last week uh i wasn't quite right well, i mean it's easy to sort of do a 180 because you only have a small following watching your stuff but some of these guys have you know millions of people following them and so it's really really hard to say that hey oh well, i used to believe this for these reasons now i believe this for these reasons and i've changed my opinion and the stuff that I said before was either not quite 100% right or it was completely fucking wrong. And that's a tough conversation to have, especially when people look at you as an quote-unquote expert or someone who you know, has their shit together or knows everything. And I think it's important to realize that even if someone is science-based, that almost necessarily means that they're going to be changing their opinion on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Even stuff like five years ago, I mean, if someone has not changed their opinion in the last five years with regards to exercise science, they're probably not science-based. They're probably science light or just pretending to use science because there's a whole bunch of stuff that has changed. You know, studies come out all the time where it's like, hmm, maybe the length and position of of training in the muscle is important, or, uh, you know, maybe volume is not that important, or maybe it is more important, or maybe it's situational this kind of stuff. So there's always new information coming out. And, you know, I spend several hours a day just keeping up to date with that kind of stuff. And that's not all going through PubMed, but a lot of it is just podcasts, um, Stronger by Science, Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler, really good source there. Um, Iron Culture with Omar Isoff and Eric Helms. And, you know, they all have guests sometimes. Yeah. Those are really, really good sources. And again, all these guys have been they've shown that they're willing to update their opinions, which for me, that is huge. If someone is like clinging to their beliefs when their beliefs are clearly uh, outdated or not quite accurate, if they're just like pulling a ripito, you know, for me that it it really degrades their credibility as a source because, you know, Hey, maybe the trap bar is actually a very useful tool. You know, It, it might not be a straight bar, but like, does that really matter that much? You know, maybe it has advantages. And so, you know, there are some people who are sort of stuck in the past and they're unwilling or unable to be both to update their opinion. And so when I see that, it's not that I don't look at them as a valid source anymore. It's just that I realize that I tend to consume other sources above them. Um, and, you know, Menno Henselman's another really, really good science-based guy. And 
Jeff Nippard, Sean Alawani, Alpha Destiny. And again, all these guys are willing to update their opinions. And that's probably the biggest thing along with, with being humble and you know, not selling out, which does happen quite a bit. And, you know, it, it, you just have to sort of put in the work and stay up to date with the information and, you know, try to provide the best information to your audience on a consistent basis. I, I would say those are the biggest things, as well as not being dogmatic, not, again, blindly following some system or some protocol or some, some way of thinking. Because with a lot of these things, there's actually quite a bit of flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of building muscle. There's a lot of ways you can go in terms of frequency, in terms of rep range, in terms of exercise selection, uh, volume. There, there's lots of, of things you can do and paths you can take and still get to the same spot. Plus, again, it's very individual anyway. So I would say anyone who, who doesn't show quite a bit of nuance with the recommendations, it's a bit big red flag to me. And when someone speaks in absolutes when they're like oh always do this or never do this unless it's like something really really obvious like never shit your pants in the gym <laughs> all right fair, fair enough like science based yeah that's <laughs> not aware of any research but <laughs> but i would say uh yeah not a good idea definitely not going to help your gains or help you score with the hot chick who uh is your gym crush Trust me, I've tried. Doesn't does not work uh, very well at all. Um, but but generally speaking, notice how I said generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Speaking in absolutes is not a great idea. And if someone does it a bunch, or if it's like this is the best exercise, or this is the best way, or never do this, or this exercise will kill your gains, or this is Snap City. To me, it's a it's a no dog. Like it's a big turnoff, especially if I see it a bunch. I'll just stop watching their content, right? And if you know people ask me, oh, what do you think of this channel or something? I'll, I'll go to their content, I'll watch a little bit. And for, I would say 90% of, of channels or social media people, it doesn't take long until there's a, mm, yeah, I don't know about that dude moment. Where yeah. they say something and it doesn't even necessarily need to be wrong, but often it's just how they phrased it. It's how they said it, mm. right? It was just, a little bit too confident or a little bit too aggressive with the marketing. Like, Oh, you got to do this exercise. Uh, do they though? Like, do they, do they really need to do this exercise? Mm. Maybe not. And so it's really rare that I get sent, you know, an influencer or social media fitness person where, you know, I watch more than a few minutes of their content and I'm like, all right, here we go. And then you know, I keep watching and like, damn, like this is legit. Um, and then the guys I mentioned, you know, they're ones who I either never or almost never or very rarely have a moment where I'm like, yeah, I don't know, that was a bit much. Or like, yeah, can you can you find a study for that? Or like, can you back that up with even logic, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by now I can assess content as well as content creators pretty effectively and efficiently, but it it does take quite a bit of <laughs> practice before you can do it. Like if, if, if I, again, if it was a topic that I didn't know much about, you don't know what to look for. You don't know those red flags to really, to really check. And so uh, it's either very difficult or just straight up impossible. Yeah. And if you don't know 
like you said, what you're looking for, um, you're just not going to be able to tell who's peddling you BS or not. And generally these experts like Brad Schoenfeld or Don Lehman, these guys who are like the world's best researchers in their field, they don't say anything sexy. So when you listen to them, you're not going to hear, oh, this is the only way. You know what they're going to say? Well, it depends. Yeah, <laughs> likely this is the outcome. You should probably do this. It's not, it's, it's so funny because they're not charlatans, so they don't sell something. And yeah. it just sounds very boring when you listen to them, but they're saying, yeah. you know, what the research says. But, you know, you can go listen to <laughs> some of the carnivore zealots or, you know, maybe, I don't know, I want to say like flexible dying zealots, plant-based people, and they're going to tell you something completely different. But it sounds sexy because it's absolute. And they say, if you just do this, you will get this. And <laughs> the, the, the even funnier part about this is that, if you don't get the results and you bring that up to them, then it's just, you weren't carnivore yeah. enough. You weren't plant-based <laughs> <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> you know, you didn't train hard oh, yeah. enough. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll gaslight their audiences yeah. to where they can't change their mind because the audience, the type of audience that they attract doesn't, like, either isn't capable or just isn't ready to think in that way. Where right. it's like, okay, well, maybe this could be right. Maybe this could also be right. And if someone is legit, at least in my book, they'll sound kind of wishy-washy right. speaking. They're like, you know, ah, this might like, but I'm not willing to commit to this. Um, like if you listen to Eric Trexler speak about something, it's very rare that he's like, yeah, I'm like really certain that this is a thing. Um, often he's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to actually commit to this. It's possible, might be, but we just don't really have the body of evidence to see. And, and normies will hear that and just be like, I'm out, I'm out. Like this is just, just tell me the answer, man. Like, uh, what do I do? Like how many carbs should I eat or not eat a day? Mm. Tell me the superfoods, bitch. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, again, the more legit someone is, the more they're like, uh, I guess this is true. Probably this is true. This might be true, but we're not sure about this. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, the reason why there's not that many legit, it doesn't even need to be science-based. Like I, I wouldn't really consider myself to be science-based because I say a lot of stuff that is anecdote, either from myself or from clients or just observationally. And so I'm like science-based kind of, but often not. And I try to make it clear when I am science-based and also clear when I'm not science-based, but some people will blend those two to where they have this sort of, uh, <laughs> this demeanor of being science-based maybe it's on their channel banner like oh putting the putting the science putting the strength back in science or science back in strength or whatever <laughs> and you know may or may not be jeff cavalier's banner but you know they don't cite studies they don't actually you know they're not really science-based mm -hmm. but they're science-based enough to put that off even if they're not really and beginners love science they love that word. If a workout is science-based, fantastic. But like that isn't always something that can actually be science-based, right? Like you have an EMG research that says this biceps curl is better than this one. Trouble is EMG is not always like the best indicator of, oh, how good is this exercise versus this one? Right. Um, and, you know, some, some channels, they push that sign like, Jeff Nippert's really, really good. He's, he's like actually science-based and he's actually a really big channel. 
but most other big channels they're like science light because again to get big often you need like really flashy content or you know, speaking in absolutes and so you know jeff is really an, uh, an inspiration because you know no one else has really gotten to that 1 million plus youtube subscriber count with while actually being science-based um you know you, you have etier who is like yeah like he pushes the science thing really hard but he's you know if you look at a lot of what he actually does it's over interpretations or yeah. you know it's it's misinterpreting studies or it's just reading the abstract that kind of thing um and so science can be a powerful marketing tool but actually using science is is a lot of homework and it's really difficult and it's it's not as sexy as as it usually looks in a thumbnail right well, um, I want to be respectful of your time, and I got to get rock and roll in here uh, shortly. I will ask you the one of the two questions I normally ask all my guests as soon as we get rolling out here. What does health look like to you? I actually really liked Mike's answer to this, um, so I guess I'll I'll just steal that and kind of put my own twist on it. Sure. I think his answer, if I recall correctly, was like being able to do whatever you want to do um, as long as possible or something. So it's not like running a marathon. It's not bench pressing a superhuman amount of weight. It's just waking up every day and being able to do what you want to do. And so, you know, injury avoidance is a big part of that. Like I had a, a quadratus lumborum issue, a QL issue, um, which I've been dealing with for the past month or so. Getting injured is not healthy. No. It, it kind of sucks because it, it impacts what you can do. Like the next day you're sort of like, you're trying to put on your shoes, but you don't have that range of motion. So I'm trying to like loop my sock over my toes because I can't get all the way to like actually <laughs> fucking sock on like a normal yeah. human being. So I'm trying to like loop it over my toes and I have to get all five toes because if you don't, you can't like, now you have one toe out of the sock and it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm trying to like loop it over all five toes to where I can actually, and if I bend too far forward, then my back fucking hurts. Oh. it's not a back it's like a, a deep abdominal muscle around the lower back and you know finally i get my shoes on and then walking i have to like brace my abs mm -hmm. to walk normally for the first you know two weeks that kind of thing and um it sucked right right that's not health right like tr trying to maximize your lifts at a certain point it's not really for health mm -hmm. same with body fat percentage going too low not for health, you know, 12%, fair enough. 10%, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like what's healthier at 10% compared to 12%? All right. You know, good luck finding information on there. You know, the 99th percentile of the general population is already around 14%. So if you're 14%, you're leaner than 99-ish percent of people. Right. And so, you know, is getting down to 8% really about health? Absolutely not. It's just aesthetics, vanity, maybe business as someone is in the fitness industry. Um, usually it's not about women because they don't typically like super shredded physiques anyway. Um, and, you know, so same thing with going up in body fat. So you usually want moderation when it comes to health. So you want a flexible but moderate diet, nothing crazy, nothing super low in calories, nothing super high. Um, same with, thing with sleep. You don't want to be sleeping all day or not sleeping at all. Yeah. 
calories, diet, exercise, pretty much everything, I would say taking a moderate approach is going to be best for health, where you're not cutting out any, any food or macronutrient. Um, you know, you're able to live not necessarily as long as possible, because if you want to optimize longevity, now you have to like, in some ways, sacrifice other areas, which might not be worth it. But like, I would say at least a decent amount of longevity is a nice goal to have. Um, and then, yeah, being able to essentially not have your body be a limiting factor. I would say that that is the biggest thing, not having this physical shell that holds up our brains be something you have to worry about. If you, if you wake up in every day and you're like, you know, you're worrying about what you have to do or how you're going to get through the day. I would say that's not healthy, whether it's because you're morbidly obese or because you're seven, eight percent body fat and you have to plan out all your meals and mm -hmm. really be restrictive and on top of things. Either extreme is not going to be healthy because it's something that's taking away from other areas of your life. And then trying to find that balanced approach is going to be the best way for most people. Right. I completely agree. Um, I wish we could go longer. Like I said, I got a little bit of a tight cutoff. Dude, we should absolutely do this again. I really enjoyed this conversation and I enjoy the hell out of your content. Where can everybody find you? And we will get out of here. Cool. Yeah, it's just my name. Uh, Jeffrey Verity Schofield, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-V-E-R. -E -E then it'll, it'll auto-complete technology. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, Quora. That's about it. I don't mess cool. around with TikTok and Facebook, eh, maybe eventually, but but not at the moment. <laughs> well, we'll have to get into TikTok next time because I feel like I can go on an hour about that. I don't even have one, but it's it's not good when it comes to fitness stuff. So um, I, thank you for coming on, dude. And like I said, watch we'll to do this again. And hopefully everybody enjoyed. Um, subscribe, like, share, whatever you're going to do. Check out Axe and Sledge Supplements. Um, use code Matovic10 at checkout if you need a discount. And uh, until next time, everybody take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.